0: last week on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast, as well as some older stuff that obliterated Nate or was a little bit naughty.
1: All oh, the fantasy gamers are gonna love you because you went to Clemson. And... Do you know what a high ankle sprain is?
0: Uh... I mean, it's above the ankle, isn't it?
1: And... You don't think 166 yards... One touchdown, one interception against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary is impressive.
0: I think Jimmy Garoppolo stinks, and I've been saying this for a long time.
1: And. Give Terry McLaurin an ADP. Give Terry McLaurin an ADP. Give Terry McLaurin an ADP. Terry fucking McLaurin, baby. And. You have to make sure that the world knows that I don't hate Deion Kane. Just fucking move on. And. Buy high, buy low. Sell high, sell low. I will be big wrong. It's going to be a good show. And. Was that Kirsten Dunst's dream, a wet dream? (laughs) No, it wasn't a wet dream. Thank you very much. I have had a wet dream once when I was 15. I woke up and I was having sex with my pillow. This fucking show has no boundaries. And. Treat Dante Pettis like he's syphilis. Dante STDs. (laughs) <laughs> so stupid dante pettis td and todd haley and his wife don't believe in wearing clothes at all
0: and was i relating that to something sexual it's the best way to go out on a
1: sweatpant boner and is this the time when you think people start masturbating to the show
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Nate List. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And with me, as always, is Mr. Matt Kelly. You can find him on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion. <sighs> How is it going, Matt?
1: Russell Wilson breakout alert. Russell Wilson breakout alert. What's happening? Your Twitter handle reads Russell Wilson deserves better And now Russell Wilson Is getting what he deserves Better Thank God He's better And hey, don't you think that I am better now Better now <laughs> Oh my god Russell Wilson is better now Better now Drinking and I'm trying to forget But I can't get this shit out of my head You probably think that you are better now say that cause I'm not around, not around. You know, I never meant
0: to let you down, let you down. God, it's going to be in my nightmares. Yeah. It's, this is great. This is, this is the Russell Wilson that we have been praying for over the past handful of years. Finally,
1: finally, come on.
0: Russell Wilson with 50 pass attempts. Am I dreaming?
1: Pinch me, wake me up. You're dreaming except you're not dreaming. You think you're dreaming. You're so obviously dreaming. All the fantasy gamers that hit us over the head, right? All off season, Hitting us over the head. Hitting us over the head. Hitting us over the head with Brian Schottenheimer talk. And it's irrelevant. Brian Schottenheimer doesn't matter if Seattle can't stop anybody. Brian Schottenheimer's propensity to run the ball only matters if Seattle's winning. If they're losing... His preferences become null and void, and you have to throw the ball. And this week, this week against the Arizona Cardinals, a game that has already occurred because we're recording on Saturday. It's so smart of us. There's a reason why no fantasy gamers ever record podcasts that require editing on a Saturday. It's really dumb, but we're doing it. And We're expecting a fireworks display in the sky in the desert this Sunday. I'm so excited. That game is so tantalizing. I may actually watch it. That's that's breaking news in itself.
0: You're gonna watch it. I mean, I'm I am excited myself. I'm gonna have a pitch tent all weekend, all the way up to Sunday. It's gonna be a sweatpant boner kind of weekend. I'm gonna pay for cable just for that game. (laughs) This is good. I mean, when you go to playerprofiler.com. And you type in Russell Wilson's name and hit enter and scroll down to the statistics that Matt Kelly and the gentleman over there have provided. Just about everything is single digit. And it is amazing. I mean, this has been one of the best years of Russell Wilson's career. And hopefully the chance for him to continue passing, uh, uh, you know, trends this direction. We go back to 2018. He finishes the QB six while ranking number 20 in pass attempts. With just under 27, here we go, 2019, 35
1: pass attempts a game thus far. Will it continue? Last year's volume does not equal this year's volume. How many shows do we have to explain this to fantasy gamers and fantasy analysts? Just because Kirk Cousins went over 600 pass attempts last year doesn't mean that's what he's going to do this year. The opposite is likely to happen. Same thing with Russell Wilson. The attempts would positively regress in the case of Russell Wilson. And here we are. He's top 12 in the NFL in pass attempts. He's top 10 in red zone pass attempts. He's top 6 in deep ball attempts. He's getting protection. He's top 10 in total pass distance. Mm. He's top 10 in deep ball completion percentage. Read another. These are the statistics that you were referencing. These Uh, are what matter. This is what you want. You want adjusted yards per attempt. In the top five. You want production premium. In the top five. You want fantasy points per drop back. In the top five. And if he's going to be efficient Russell Wilson. And you add volume to that cocktail. It becomes a Molotov cocktail. It's explosive. I love it. I love Russell Wilson. He's so good. He's so good. I think he's better than Patrick Mahomes. Because he's more mobile. And he's been much better for much longer than... Small sample Mahomes, please. Patrick Mahomes, get the hell out of here. There's a new deity in town. <laughs> Russell Wilson is the god of football. Oh, I love it. I love it. this whole conversation has made me so happy. I am showing you a framed take time capsule that my friend made for me two years ago when I called Russell Wilson the number one fantasy quarterback, said get him in the mid-rounds in every league, and sure enough, Russell Wilson was the best fantasy quarterback that year, and he led my friend to a fantasy championship. And here we are, right back at it again, and if Russell Wilson can finish top ten in the league in pass attempts, he will be the number one fantasy quarterback.
0: And look at look at the rushing. I mean, already this year, he finished last year with 67 attempts. He's already at 17 this year. So if if this trend continues, Russell keeps seeing five to seven rush attempts a game. You know, we're going to get a renaissance 2014, 2015 Russell Wilson, where he ran for over 500 yards. So pair that with the efficiency as a passer and he could blow the field
1: out of the water. We haven't even seen the high touchdown rate yet. He only has a 6.7% touchdown rate on his throws. That's hovering around league average. Typically, Russell Wilson finishes with a touchdown rate well above league average. So we haven't even seen the model-breaking touchdown efficiency that Russell Wilson typically delivers through the air. You're so fortunate to be a Seattle Seahawks fan right now at this moment in time. It feels good. Are you going to change your Twitter handle? Uh, because they delivered the gods delivered. So now that he does deserve better and now is getting better. I might, I don't know if I want to take the the
0: name Russell Wilson out of it. I I'm excited to talk about this team though. I mean, it, it,
1: it extends beyond Russell Wilson, right? You can keep Russell Wilson in the Twitter name. You can just change it to Russell Wilson Fox. (laughs) I might, I might do it. Just change it to Russell Wilson Fox. What's wrong with that?
0: why not that really aligns with the type of person i am and the things i say yeah why not sounds
1: good let's do it russell wilson deserves more pass attempts i mean that's a very long and circuitous twitter name that is now irrelevant but i feel like i willed it to happen because he did and now he's gotten them but those accessing your twitter page for the first time believe it's outdated that you're not even on twitter anymore you're like where's he been that's true. No, that's a
0: great point. Uh, I guess I'll take that under advisement, and uh, I will. I'll do some considering. And hey, to the listeners, if you've got a suggestion, let me know. Maybe I'll. Maybe I'll go with that.
1: You could also put Tyler Lockett in there. Oh, baby. Add Tyler Lockett to your Twitter name. He's a wide receiver one in fantasy football. <sighs> can he keep it up? Can he finish the season as a wide receiver one?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think he absolutely can. What? What's going to have to happen, though, is Russell Wilson's going to need to continue with the passing volume, or they're going to need to maintain Tyler Lockett's you know, top 10 ranking targets. Currently right now, number seven in receiving yards, number 11 in air yards. And you could go down the list at player profile. Like, he's checking so many boxes right now. Seattle went out and invested in DK Metcalf as well, a name that's probably going to come up eventually on the show. But that's also helped out Tyler Lockett a ton in another year with Russell Wilson in this offense. There was a lot of people that believed Tyler Lockett was going to take a step forward, and he absolutely has. Um, I I believe he could finish a year as a wide receiver one. He's got a lot of
1: competition, though. 20.6 fantasy points per game is inside the top 10. So as of now, he's there. He qualifies as a WR1 in fantasy football. And I love the completed air yards. I love the 207 completed air yards because he's getting downfield. But the target quality is just so good. The fact that he's downfield and yet the catchable target rate is 96.4, that just demonstrates the supreme surgical downfield accuracy of Russell Wilson and the rapport that he has with Tyler Lockett. That's how you reach a 9.7 target quality rating on playerprofiler.com, number 6 in the NFL. And that's the difference between Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf's getting targets, too. And they're deep, just like Tyler Lockett's. A lot of deep targets on the DK Metcalf profile. But the catchable targets aren't there because Russell Wilson has never played with a wide receiver like DK Metcalf on the outside. It's going to take some time. But you never know when that's going to click in. It could be this week. Mm. Right? Mm.
0: Yeah, absolutely could be this week. you got to be excited about DK Metcalf, too. Uh, you know, they got him late in the second round. We always thought he was going to go early in the first. There was a slip, but couldn't have landed in a better spot because just like Tyler Lockett, if if this, if they work together and this rapport gets built and they get in sync, watch out, man. Seattle could be a, an offense that a few years ago
1: we thought was pretty dull to watch and suddenly they're oh no. one of the tops in the league. Especially in this game coming up against Arizona, which has already happened. But it was fireworks. What you saw in that Arizona-Seattle game, which has already occurred but has not yet occurred, I'm sure a lot of points scored and likely a locket and or Metcalf touchdown mixed in. As of this moment, where would you put DK Metcalf among the other wide receivers in the 2019 wide receiver class? He is a top X receiver in this class. Where do you have him? It's
0: tough, but I think right now he's got to be kind of in that second or third spot. I'm sure for you, Debo Samuel is ahead of him. Um, I would I would put him somewhere just behind Debo Samuel. Um, he was always kind of a top three uh, consensus player in the class, and I think that's where he was drafted in most leagues, went in the 106, 107 range. Uh, but he's still right there for me, especially in a, a Russell Wilson-driven
1: offense where Russell Wilson's not even 31 years old yet. We agree he's behind A.J. Brown. Yeah. We also have him behind Marquise Brown. It's fair. Based on the production that Marquise Brown has delivered at age 21 in the NFL. It's impossible to put him ahead of Terry McLaurin. Based on Terry McLaurin's NFL production profile. And we have him behind Debo Samuel. So, D.K. Metcalf is officially a top five wide receiver in this draft class. But, but... I also believe that Paris Campbell is coming. So if Paris Campbell outproduces DK Metcalf this week in a smash spot for DK Metcalf, it's razor close between those two on our Dynasty Rankings, playerprofiler.com forward slash player rankings. Check them out. You can see very little difference between DK Metcalf and Paris Campbell's lifetime value. Any given performance could shift that one way or another. And... It's even more likely that Paris Campbell breaks out this week because T.Y. Hilton doubtful, Devin Funchess on IR. That leaves Paris Campbell, Deion Kane, Chester Rogers, Zach Pascal in that passing game. And, and, and you guessed it. Here we go.
0: Absolutely over the top.
1: That is the official promoted from the practice squad siren on the Sonic Truth Podcast. We light that off anytime a player that we qualify for truth or status on is promoted from the practice squad to the active roster. In shallower dynasty leagues, it's time to pick up Ashton Doolin. In deeper dynasty leagues, you already have him stashed. I'm sure you do if you listen to this show. Oh, I'm so excited. Ow! <laughs> You love Ashton Doolin, right, Nate? I've got him in one league. I don't play in as many leagues as you do, though. Wait, what? I was being facetious. We know you as the number one Ashton Doolin doubter. How dare you roster him? To be fair, to be fair, I hate way
0: more than just Ashton Doolin. There's a lot of players out there that I don't (laughs) like. (laughs) But right now we're talking about Ashton Doolin. Look. (laughs) This is, I, I will say, this is, uh, this is an opportunity. It's exciting,
1: man. It's time
0: for many of the players in the brand. Paris Campbell, you don't like Deion Kane, but we're going to see Dion Kane in a role where he's going to get an opportunity. Ashton Doolin's going to be out there. A lot of questions are going to get answered this Sunday. A lot of questions.
1: I have something for you on Dion Kane. Oh, here we go. <sighs> oh
0: since this is radio and not uh, not video i'll tell you what just happened
1: the most vigorous yawn of my lifetime
0: you just yawn down a paper towel roll
1: an empty <laughs> one into <laughs> the mic and here we are do we have manual sound effects we have electronic sound effects and manual sound effects and and when I think of Deion Kane, I think of toilet paper.
0: I need to send you, you know that thing? It's got the, uh, it's got like a door handle on it. You, you wave it and it cranks. You know what I mean? You whip it around and it's got like a like a sprocket or a ratchet in it.
1: What the fuck are you talking about?
0: It's a sound maker. And it would go perfect with all the crap you keep pulling up from out of screen and blowing into. Like that? This guy's never too far from a duck call or a harmonica or a paper like towel roll or a... Yeah, like that. Like that? Similar to that. <laughs> What's next? You got a fly swatter that you... A What's next? Ice
1: water. Right? It seems like the next thing. You know Ashton Doolin's best comparable player on player profiler. You know who it is? Can I uh can I uh can I stall? No. It's Justin Watson. Ashton Doolin and Justin Watson are both scheduled to receive targets and exceed all expectations this season. Because it's only a matter of time for Justin Watson. You better have Justin Watson stashed because Brashad Perriman is The worst wide receiver in the league. You can't be awarded a major snap share on a pass-first offense for three consecutive games and command no targets. That's a crime against sports. We cannot stand for that kind of injustice. There is a snap share injustice happening in Tampa, and something must be done, Nate.
0: I've got nothing to add to that. 68.4%
1: 68.4% route participation for Brashad Paraman and only 11 targets. 11 targets? 11 targets. It might be a few too many. Get the fuck out of here. Put Brashad Paraman on the next Blue Origin flight to outer space. We want him anywhere but on this planet. Receiving undeserved snaps. Did you say eleven targets? Eleven targets for three receptions. It's a twenty-seven point three percent catch rate. Exactly one hundred in the NFL. He's the one hundredth ranked wide receiver in catch rate in the NFL. So you've at least got Devontae Parker ahead of him, correct? He and Devontae Parker will be <laughs> here. We go piloting this probe. Yeah into other regions of the solar system, not around my fantasy team, and not around planet Earth. Right. Get him out of here. Right. Get him out of here! Let him colonize Mars. Let's get him out of here. We're going to light off the siren if and when Brashad Perriman gets released this season and Devonte Parker gets released. Unbelievable. Parker won't, Perriman will. Mark my words. Next question. Are you a Devonte Parker truther? Next question! Is this really happening? You can't handle the truth you're Devontae parker truther you can't handle the truth i have neither the time nor the
0: inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom that i provide and then questions the manner in which i provide it i would rather you just
1: said thank you and went on your way otherwise i suggest you pick up a weapon and stand a post either way i don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to he's big he's athletic uh, he was productive at Louisville uh, Despite injury uh, And wait for it Wait for it I'm waiting Draft capital Oh god that's what got me Oh the draft capital Always hooks me Does it matter that it was an incompetent general manager that selected him Uh yeah and the whole team's garbage You're a big Jeff Ireland fan Nate You think he makes rational decisions on draft day I'm more of a fan of
0: Kathy Ireland Oh <laughs>
1: I think Kathy Ireland would do a better job as the general manager of the Dolphins than Jeff Ireland. There's a chance she might have still taken Parker,
0: but probably not at 15, maybe more at like 49, which would have been a fair spot.
1: A little early skill. She would have drafted Matt Ryan over Jake Long. Maybe. <laughs> okay, she wouldn't have committed that catastrophic franchise altering blunder. She would have signed Drew Brees over Dante Culpepper. That's. That that might be one. That's a good one. She wouldn't have overpaid Mike Wallace.
0: There's a there's a couple blunders in there. What are we gonna throw a, a couple second? blunders in there? I mean there's a there's a few mulligans that they would like to use if they had one.
1: So Kathy Ireland may have passed on Devon Bess.
0: Uh, hey man, Devon Bess had a had a season or two in there worth worth noting. There was a couple.
1: A couple of years ago, do you think she would have targeted running back maybe a Christian McCaffrey in the early first round? Highly unlikely. Can you see Kathy Ireland drafting Christian McCaffrey? Is that a good idea? Would have been a good idea. I mean, do we think Kathy would have actually done that? If she's in a fantasy league, do you think she has Christian McCaffrey?
0: Has the real question is, how has Kathy Ireland aged?
1: And so has Christian McCaffrey. He's now the number one player, the most valuable player based on our lifetime value metric on player profiler. On the Dynasty Dominator app, get it in the App Store, on Google Play. The most valuable player in all of Dynasty League football is Christian McCaffrey. Supplanting Saquon Barkley. Do you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I mean, Christian McCaffrey might have the highest floor of all time. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's also the least susceptible to injury. That was the one area of concern that we had about Saquon Barkley. He had a higher injury susceptibility heading into the season than Christian McCaffrey. And then, sure enough, what happens? He gets injured. The old high ankle sprain, or as I like to call it, the high ankle fucked. He's got he's got that Ed McCaffrey blood in him,
0: and he's just he's just a fighter. That's right. He do quit. And by the way, I googled a picture of Kathy Ireland. Very very pretty. Dear God, dear God, very pretty.
1: Oh, my. We should run that on the scroll on playerbrofutter.com. <laughs> Kathy Ireland is very pretty. Oh, my God. That's my contribution to the show. I've got to go. Would you rather pick up Kathy Ireland or Wayne Gallman right now? Kathy Ireland. <laughs> I mean, we're just we're just being honest. Oh, Wayne Gallman's a free square this week. I know, I know, I know. By the time this episode airs, Wayne Gallman could have... Won you a matchup or disappointed you greatly, especially if you went all in, you pushed all your chips into the middle of the table with your fab bidding.
0: I mean, we're hoping that Wayne Gallman is is going to show up and, and do something spectacular in relief of a Saquon Barkley who's been injured. You can go back to 2017 when he was getting a, a decent amount of carries. I mean, that year he got 111, averaged 4.3 yards per carry. And in limited Russian work, the guy still had 48 targets for 34 catches. So,
1: you know, versatile enough. He's a guy. He's a guy. He is the quintessential guy. When the self-important analytics nerds insist that running back doesn't matter to start fights on social media and on contrived sports argument shows, they're talking about Wayne Gallman. Wayne Gallman is the poster child for running back not mattering. He is the Jag of the Jags. Yep. His speed, his agility, his college target share, efficiency, production, it's all in the 40th percentile. He's not average. He's just below average. But watch a player who's just below average at his position go out and perform and produce RB1 numbers in fantasy football. You can go out and watch it happen because running back doesn't matter. In a relatively small sample, four to six games before Saquon Barkley returns, Wayne Gallman could be an RB1 in fantasy. It's conceivable because the position is so replaceable. He can help you make the playoffs in fantasy football this season, but this is not a player I would significantly invest in. He's just a guy replacing a really good guy, an actual good player. Yes. Yes. So even if he produces RB1 numbers while he's replacing Saquon Barkley, that doesn't mean that he's capable of going elsewhere and seizing a primary back role. It could be the only time we ever see him in a primary back role in the NFL. In fact, I think this is the first and the last time we'll ever see Wayne Gallman starting. This four to six week window in the NFL. It's the best you'll ever see out of Wayne Gallman, and then he's going to vanish. So if you have him, wait, wait, let him produce. But don't wait too long. Don't wait until Saquon Barkley's healthy. you got to make sure you trade Wayne Gallman before Saquon Barkley is even remotely ready. It's a very tricky proposition. You need to be very careful. Timing is everything because you want to make the playoffs, but you want to maximize your returns on Wayne Gallman. Oh really gotta thread the needle on this guy in Dynasty. It's why we're in Dynasty Leagues. The nuances of how you maximize this Wayne Gallman asset. It's why I love Dynasty. Well, he's got a good matchup against Washington. I mean, if if you wanna if you wanna play
0: the matchups this week against Washington, they're they're number 28 against the run, I believe, and they've been getting they've been getting killed week to week against the run. And then, you know, so I don't know. This might be the week that he blows up and you could sell him if you just wanted to hold him for one week. If you just picked him up, you don't need him. You want to sell him after one week. This might be the spot to do it. Do
1: not trade him now. Anyone that's trading Wayne Gallman between now and one o'clock on Sunday is doing it wrong. Yeah, not yet. He hasn't played. You want to play him this week. Don't trade him now. His value is not going to go down unless he gets hurt. You can't play fantasy football scared. Play fantasy football aggressively. That means being confident in your players. Let Wayne Gallman go out and be an RB1 this week, enhance his trade value, and help you make the playoffs this season in the process. Fantasy football doesn't need to be hard, and it starts with not overthinking it. Let your players accrue some value before trading them. Do not trade him yet. Wait. But you should trade him sooner rather than later because Wayne Gallman's going to have a problem soon. Have you seen the Giants' schedule? After Washington, it's Minnesota and New England.
0: Well, they've got Miami in there,
1: right? No. New York doesn't play Miami until week 15. After Washington, four out of the next five games they play will be on the road against teams with stout run defenses, Minnesota and Detroit, or against teams where they're going to be down huge in the second half and facing negative game script, the Patriots and the Cowboys. Four out of the next five games after the super juicy matchup against Washington. So the way to play Gallman is to get your league mates fired up for him now. Start those trade conversations now, but don't push the button until the lineup's lock. I like the way you think. Stealing those points. I like it. You got to set the hook, man. That's right. You got to be patient, set the hook, and you reel them in after lineups lock. It's the same way you get Kathy Ireland. Can we stop with this? I mean, honestly, your objectification of women is is a bit bothersome.
0: Oh, sorry, man. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: Oh, ho, 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 I got you. Oh, ho, ho,
0: ho. yeah, you really burned me there.
1: Oh. Ho, 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 ho. oh. So speaking of a Wayne Gallman injury, who is this John Hillman character, and why should we care? We shouldn't care. <laughs> a- he's the guy behind the guy, Nate. I know, yeah,
0: I know he's the guy behind the guy, but he's, he's not a, he's a better than average athlete, 4'5", 4, 4'40", decent burst, decent agility, not a, a super productive player in college. This is a guy that in the off season you and I would take dumps on the whole time. I don't think he checks any of the boxes that we care about other than the, uh, the
1: void of Saquon Barkley. I think he's better than Wayne Gallman.
0: I do too, but they've got a tough schedule.
1: I think he was more productive and commanded a higher target share in college. He just didn't happen to go to Clemson. If he went to Clemson, we'd all be clamoring for John Hilleman to be the primary back in New York. But John Hillman didn't go to Clemson. That was Wayne Gallman. So we want Wayne Gallman in there. John Hillman just went to Rutgers. Rutgers. No one cares about Rutgers. Everyone loves Clemson. I do love Clemson. So it's the Wayne Gallman show. But when you take a step back, John Hillman is a superior player to Wayne Gallman. He just went undrafted. And he has earned his roster spot with New York. He's only 23 years old. You have to stash him because Wayne Gallman is unproven. Any time... A starting running back role opens up on an NFL depth chart. You don't just grab the number two back on the depth chart, who will be the immediate starter, the free square. You also pick up his backup, knowing a much higher percentage of the replacement running backs flame out than the entrenched starter incumbents. I am actively scooping John Hillman wherever possible.
0: I don't even know if he's worth a roster
1: spot, and here's why. He's absolutely worth a roster spot. Even in relatively shallow dynasty leagues, you need to go get John Hilleman. Look, Saquon Barkley is back
0: in six to eight weeks. By then, it's going to be the bye week. They face the most brutal schedule. After the bye week, they still face the Bears, Packers, Eagles, who are killers. Do not run on the Eagles. Then they've got the Dolphins, Redskins, a little soft. Then the Eagles again. There's only probably four games Across the end of this season that you would want to start anybody. And
1: Saquon will be back after the bye week. We don't know when Saquon's going to be back. What do you mean we don't know when Saquon's going to be back? A high ankle sprain involves micro fractures and micro tears of ligaments. I'm not a doctor. It's an incredibly damaging injury to the interchange of the ankle and the leg. Paging Dr. Kelly...
0: Uh, Dr. Kelly to the uh, operating room?
1: Dr. Kelly's in surgery right now, but uh, as soon as he uh, sutures up this patient, he'll be right up.
0: <laughs> it's So the point is, we don't know when Barkley's coming back. You're right. If you want to hold Hillman, if you've got enough of a roster spot, if Wayne Gallman plays good against the Redskins, which we expect he will, because it's a juicy matchup, he's going to run through the cheese grater over the next couple of weeks and perhaps that's when the team decides to put Hillman in i see your point but inevitably all these guys are is a, a, a waiver addition and then a sale that's that's what it is these guys i'm not if your roster is so bad that you're starting john fucking hillman you got bigger problems than trying to figure out which one of these two running
1: backs is going to get an opportunity i just picked up john hillman in yet another dynasty league Because fuck Nate Liss. Oh, perfect. Why not? Better stash in Dynasty. John Hilleman or Alexander Madison?
0: I can't even believe I'm going to say this. I don't even want to say this. Alexander Madison, for sure. What? Absolutely. 100%. 100%. That makes me physically ill to say that.
1: And you have to agree. You like Alexander Madison because Mike Zimmer and Kevin Stefanski are predisposed to run the ball, and as long as the Vikings are winning, they're going to be running. And we told you this all summer, that Zemanski is a problem, especially for Kirk Cousins and everyone in that passing game, from Adam Thielen to Stephon Diggs to Kyle Rudolph. It's like, oh, well, but the podfather doesn't think coaching matters. Since when does coaching matter, podfather? Well, coaches have much more power over volume than efficiency. This is where getting into the minutiae matters. The details matter. The influence of coaches on player production requires a nuanced conversation because it's nuanced. Coaches have control over play calling. And if they continue to call run plays over pass plays, it strangles the production of the passing game, elevates the running game. That's the Kubiak effect. Kubiak doesn't make running backs better, just predisposed to run the ball more than the average team. There's no magical plays in this sacred playbook that Gary Kubiak brings from one team to the next, turning every running back into Terrell Davis. That's not it. Fuck Gary Kubiak. He's overrated. Dalvin Cook is doing what Dalvin Cook does. Very little of Dalvin Cook's production this year can be attributed to Gary Kubiak. Coaches more often throttle offensive production, minimize the effectiveness of certain players at certain positions more than they enhance it. If you just let players play and call the plays they want to call, they're going to call pass plays more often than not because they know they're more effective and they want to win. That's what Cliff Kingsbury does. Is Cliff Kingsbury a genius? No. Does Cliff Kingsbury have some special dust that he sprinkles on the shoulder pads of his players to make them play good? No. He's just letting players play. If you just let players play, they score more fantasy points than when you constrict them. So the vast majority of instances where coaches influence fantasy production, it's instances like this Mike Zimmer, Kevin Stefanski in Minnesota where the philosophy meddles with the productivity. They're so backward, they're willfully trying to score less points. Those are the situations where the coach and their philosophy matter most, where it's worth discussing. The Minnesota coaches are to blame for the lack of productivity you're seeing from everyone from Stephon Diggs to Adam Thielen to Kyle Rudolph. But Arizona coaches are not the reason why Cardinals players are much more productive this year from the previous year. This current Cardinals regime is simply not handicapping their current players. They're not giving them access to special plays that no NFL defenses have ever seen and no other offensive coordinators are aware of. They're simply not standing in their players' way. There's something to be said for simply not standing in your players' way. It is not the Cliff Kingsbury offense. It's just the Cardinals' offense unencumbered by Cliff Kingsbury. All right, rapid fire, Nate. Oh no, this is not a good thing to do. The game is Time to Worry? Mm hmm. Time to Worry About Todd Gurley? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't answer that. Let's just laugh. <laughs> time to Worry About Sony Michelle? We go.
0: (laughs) I don't know what this means. James Conner, worried? You want me to answer? Are you going to laugh? Are you going to laugh? Okay. What I'd like to say about James (laughs) Conner.
1: On cue. Seriously, though, what about Aaron Jones? I can't figure out whether the Packers believe in him. Or not. Every other game, they cheat on him with Jamal Williams. Are they ready to commit or not? They're not going to have to worry about that for a
0: bit. Put a ring on that finger, LaFleur. Somebody put a ring on Jamal Williams last night, so we're not going to see him for a little while. So I would say that Aaron Jones is going to have a green light for a bit.
1: Whoa, is Jamal Williams hurt?
0: Yeah, I think he got a major concussion last night.
1: Oh, no. Poor Jamal Williams. I love Jamal Williams. Did you hear his interview? I didn't. His locker side interview after week three was truly special. He compared himself to Spongebob and said he felt like a mermaid out there. That's when I fell in love with Jamal Williams. It's good. I'm off Aaron Jones. I'm on Jamal Williams because of the mermaid talk. (laughs) Okay, Okay, logical. I like it. But you know what that means? What? If he's concussed, breaking news from Nate Liz. Dexter Williams' time. Mm, it might be. It's time to warm up, Dexter Williams, baby. Dexter Williams checks a hell of a lot more boxes than Wayne Gallman, John Hilliman, or John Hilliman. Yeah, they're a package deal. You put John Hilliman, Wayne Gallman together; they check less boxes than Dexter Williams. I agree with that. I'm a Dexter Williams fan. I know, but everyone that listens to this show already has him rostered. He checks a lot of boxes: size, explosiveness. Production at the college level. Per-game production last year at Notre Dame. One of the best running backs in all of college football. And sneaky receiving skills. Trade for Dexter Williams now because LaFleur is not ready to get hitched to Aaron Jones. He would have done it by now. He's playing with your heart, Aaron. He's playing with your heart. Okay. Time to worry about Carrion Johnson. I don't think so. No,
0: I don't think so. But you know that I cape up for Carry Johnson. There there are reasons why.
1: Eighty percent opportunity share last week. That's all you need to say. Well, yeah, the opportunity share's up. He's back to being a bell cow. Small sample inefficiency should not be held against running backs
0: can we talk about the fact that he he's running against stacked boxes? I mean, last week at a 60% stacked box rate, greater than eight players in the box, second highest for the week. Uh, on the season, averaging 45.8% of his carries have come with an extra defender. For perspective, on the season, McCaffrey's at 23%, Marlon Mack's at 18%, Barkley's at 135 Chubb is at 10%, Johnson is at 45.5%. Just let that sink in.
1: I'm really glad you're on the show. Uh-oh. You're doing a good job. That was impeccably articulated and left no room for me to add additional color commentary. I didn't need to. I could just sit back and listen and enjoy Nate Liss analyzing Kerry and Johnson. This is the first time for everything on this show. That's that's it. Let's put it in the baby book. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Breida, worried?
0: Oh, the Snap Shares are getting closer. Um. <sighs> I, I would be a little bit worried. I mean, we like what Breida brings to the table, but we're starting to see the snap share get a little closer. I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, I think I would be worried.
1: Closer between he and Mo Sturt? Yes. That's a problem. That is a problem. If it was going to happen, it would have happened last week for Matt Breida to seize that bell cow role in San Francisco. If it didn't happen last week, I don't think it's going to happen before Tevin Coleman returns, and so therefore it is time to worry but you're not as worried about Matt Breida as you are Duke Johnson, are you? Oh Lord, have mercy! What happened to Duke Johnson?
0: I don't know. You worried about Royce Freeman? No, I'm not worried about Royce Freeman. But I will admit, Philip
1: Lindsay is, has been great. I'm worried about Royce Freeman. Like Matt Breida, you would think Royce Freeman capturing that primary back role, it would have happened by now.
0: But to be fair, over the first two weeks of the of the season, Freeman had been the better player. Then week three. The bulk of the work goes to Lindsay against a Green Bay defense that has been gutted by every running back they have faced all year long. I think the verdict's out. I still think it's Lindsay's backfield, but I'm not giving up on Royce Freeman. I would still love to roster him if I could get my hands on him.
1: If it was going to happen for Kalen Bellage it would have already happened. Oh, for fuck's sake. Is Kalen Bellage the worst? <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Can I, I can't think of anything worse.
0: Here's the thing. Let's talk about the Dolphins. Their offensive line is ranked 31st in run blocking. Guys like Belage were always a long shot to succeed. But the reason I was all in on a guy like Belage is because I wasn't a big believer in Drake. And I thought, hey, there's an opportunity that he ascends and he's a tradable asset.
1: Thank you for admitting that you were all in on the trash can that is Kalen Belage.
0: You cannot call Kalen Belage a trash can when you've talked about John Hillman on this episode. I'd rather have John Hillman. I would not, but let's say this. Miami would rather have a 2020 running back
1: prospect. And they will have one. They will. Kalen Balazs or Darwin Thompson? Pick one. Dear God. I guess Darwin Thompson. Darwin Thompson or Darrell Williams? This is a Dynasty podcast, isn't it? (laughs) Williams scored more than 15 fantasy points last week, and he only has LaShawn McCoy. The compromised LaShawn McCoy ahead of him. If LaShawn McCoy misses time, Darrell Williams will be like Wayne Gallman with a jetpack.
0: I think I'm still going to continue to err on the side of, of Darwin Thompson, who's got athleticism in the places that I like to see it, who's got a pass-catching skill set that Andy Reid has been high on. I'm going Darwin Thompson.
1: Andy's younger. You're playing the long game with Darwin Thompson. I am. I'd rather have him. I'm trying to win my leagues this year. Here we go. You're still stashing Dante Moncrief. So you won't take the L on Devonte Parker. Will you take the L on Dante Moncrief?
0: The Dante Moncrief breakout is still coming, bro. It's the year seven breakout. No, look. We should have all taken the L on Dante Moncrief two years ago. But here we are. Now it's official.
1: Let's do another game. Fraud or no fraud? Oh, Lord. You're better when we play games. Yeah, I love it. Fraud or no fraud? DeeDee Dee Westbrook. Let's do it. Dee, Dee Westbrook, fraud.
0: 2017 rookie year, 12.3 dot. Last season, dot of 8.5, which was better than Juju, Cooper Cup, Michael Thomas. But this year has an
1: dot of 4.7, while DJ Shark is killing it fraud. D.D. Westbrook is a fake field stretcher. They're playing him in the slot as if he runs a 4.6, like he's Danny Amendola. He's a downfield playmaker. Play him as such, and if you're not going to play him as such... What good is he? Fraud. He's a big play receiver playing a possession role. That's not valuable. Fraud or no fraud, Jarvis Landry. Okay,
0: I hope you can accept the way I'm going to do this. I'm going to say not a fraud, just not impressive. (gasps) This is the best quarterback he's ever played with. His target share is 21%, 33% of the total air yards. He's on pace for 121 targets, and he's averaging 16 yards per reception. Come on!
1: So be patient with Jarvis Landry.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's going to give you a wide receiver three floor, wide receiver two weeks potentially.
1: Fraud or no fraud, Josh Gordon's been inefficient.
0: Not a fraud. Antonio Brown is gone. The team's a mess in the backfield with injuries, baby births, poor play. Then all offseason, we heard them praise him. Tom Brady is throwing the ball 35 times a game. Week three had 11 targets, total eye opener. The verdict's still out. Julian Edelman has an injury. He's banged up. I'm not out on Gordon.
1: Who are you? I love this. You're doing great. Thanks, man. I feel like I'm doing a show with a professional sports podcaster. This is such a pleasure. I'm having an out-of-body experience too, bro. You should start shooting basketballs right now.
0: I'm just going to start yelling Kobe after every one I finish.
1: Let's go. Let's go. You're unconscious. Will Fuller, Fraud No Fraud. Will Fuller, uh,
0: not a fraud, number 15 in air yards and the only one inside the top 15 with less than 19 passing targets. 97% of the snap share, 32% of the team's air yards, and seven targets over the last two weeks. I still like him, despite Kenny
1: still showing up. Breakout coming. Yes. Unfortunately, by the time this show drops, Will Fuller will have likely already broken out in week four. So my advice to get him before week four... <laughs> Isn't helpful. Oh well, it's my show, and I can say whatever I want, even if it's outdated advice that will prove to be right. Kiki Q T, fraud. Total fraud. Get him out of here. Total fraud. Corey Davis, fraud. No fraud. Ah, uh,
0: kind of the same way I feel about Jarvis Landry. Better athlete, but uh, in this offense with AJ Brown showing up, not a fraud, but not impressive.
1: Not a fraud. I thought of all the players listed here, at least Corey Davis would get hit with that fraud label.
0: I want to call him a fraud, but what's the baseline? I mean, I'll call him a fraud because he's French. What do you mean, what's the baseline? How about
1: doing exactly nothing after getting drafted in the top five? But he's he's not getting that many targets. Three, five, four. How about not getting targeted despite running 68 routes? I know. I, I know. That's what I'm saying. That's my own thing. I don't know what to say. It's just... That's an indication that he's a fraud. This is the same problem we're seeing from uh, Brashad Perriman and Devontae Parker. Also, fraud receivers.
0: The quarterback play is so stink bombish in Tennessee. It's hard to say. We like A.J. Brown. I mean, A.J. Brown's not seeing a boatload of targets. Mike Williams, fraud.
1: Oh,
0: why do you... No, not a fraud. I know you don't want to hear that, but I'm going to say not a fraud. I mean...
1: He's a red zone specialist. He is what he is. Not necessarily fraudulent unless you think he's more than that. Then that's on you. Hey, wait till they get Melvin. If you think that Mike Williams is more than he is, that's not Mike Williams' fault. That's your fault. That's right. Because he went to Clemson. There we go. So much bias over there. I'm not allowed to hate one college football team. No. You're not allowed to
0: hate anybody. All equal rights. Love everybody the same, Matt.
1: J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Fraud.
0: Snap share is rising. We haven't really seen him do much. He's a rookie. There's not much in
1: front of him. He needed to break out in week three in order to avoid the fraud moniker, but his target share and production were dwarfed by Mac Hollins in week three. To me, that's a problem. I don't care that he's a rookie. I don't care. I'll produce Mac Hollins.
0: I care that he's a rookie. I, I can't say he's fraudulent, but he's not living up to what a lot of the other parts of the draft class are.
1: Another red zone specialist not delivering high-end wide receiver fantasy points because that's not what those players do. Jared Goff, fraud? Oh, Speaking of not a red zone specialist. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I is Jared Goff a fraud? I mean, he sure looks like one. Do you think Blake Bortles would be better in that offense?
0: <sighs> 40 touchdown Blake Bortles, maybe. I, it's weird. I, I mean, the, the league must have figured out Jared Goff, because this has been an awful start coming off of the season that we saw from him in 2018.
1: You know I compare him to Master Blaster, right? From Mad Max, Beyond Thunderdome. I didn't know that. That Sean McVay is the little man in the helmet. (laughs) Okay. And Jared Goff's just this ogre throwing his arm one way or the other, depending on what's being said to him in his ear through the radio. You know it's a hell of a comp. No, it is. It's a good comp. Fraud, no fraud. Aaron Rodgers. Oh
0: baby, I thought that Aaron Rodgers was a fraud, but I'm gonna go ahead and say not a fraud because I watched Thursday Night Football. Recency bias, much? Totally. But look, he he tore it up as expected. Uh, uh, we had uh we had Ian Harditz on the show recently, and he was big time caping up, calling out a massive Devonte Adams game, and unfortunately Devonte Adams. Uh, May have suffered turf toe middle of that game, but had he played a full game, we could have been looking at a, you know, a 13 catch 260 yard type of night from him. Nonetheless, Aaron Rodgers does not have high-end targets to throw the ball to. We talked about this all offseason. I, we both agree we like Geronimo Allison more than we like Valdez Scantling. I think Valdez Scantling is not great, but a good athlete. We saw Alan Lazard getting snaps last night. Nonetheless, against a good Philly defense, we saw Aaron Rodgers do his best. Two touchdowns in that game. I'm a fan, not a fraud. Would you
1: overpay for Christian Kirk at this point?
0: Uh, yeah, I would overpay for Christian Kirk for a lot of reasons. He's only averaging 14 points per game in fantasy, but he's leading Arizona in targets, and he's actually number three in the NFL in targets. Surprisingly.
1: Who knew? He's one of the few wide receivers to ever go over 1,000 yards in his true freshman season at a Division One college program. Has one of the best overall breakout finder ratings in the history of the NFL. Yeah, baby. We knew Christian Kirk was a lock to break out, and sure enough, he is breaking out all over the place. Love it. And he's just one week away from going over 100 yards with multiple touchdowns. The moment he does that, he becomes a helium balloon, and that rope just starts slipping away from you, and he's unattainable. But as of now, he's still attainable in Dynasty. But don't be surprised when he reaches that Juju Smith-Schuster echelon by the end of the season. So you've got to get him now, or you'll never get him. Will you overpay for DJ Chark? DJ Chark looks like the real deal, doesn't he? Uh, over seven catches or
0: 75 yards in each of the games he's played, averaging over 20 fantasy points a game, owns 40% of the Jags' air yards, 18% of the target share. Yes, we already said that DD is a fraud, which means that DJ Chark must be the alpha in this offense. I- elite athleticism, yes, I would overpay for Chark. Will you overpay for Cortland Sutton? Look, Cortland Sutton's 2019 looks very
1: similar to DJ Charks. That's right. But you don't think of Cortland Sutton as a breakout, as a 2019 breakout, because he's not delivering the touchdowns. I love to go to playerprofiler.com forward slash data dash analysis and look for the wide receivers getting the targets, the receptions, and the yards, but not the touchdowns. Five red zone receptions, second in the league zero total touchdowns. Is that because he lacks this touchdown scoring skill or he's been negatively impacted by random events and outcomes on the football field? I take the latter. I take Cortland Sutton. A quarterback upgrade is coming. Get him now before he breaks out. Could happen this week. Week four, no Jalen Ramsey. A.J. Boye is one of the lowest rated defensive backs among full-time corners in the league. Don't be surprised if Cortland Sutton shocks the world by burning Jacksonville Jaguars cornerbacks for big plays on Sunday. Don't be surprised if Cortland Sutton shocks the world by burning Jacksonville Jaguars cornerbacks for big plays on Sunday. Oh, my. Yeah, that was a whirlwind at the end. Let me just give you this for the outtakes. Chris Carson or Rashad Penny in Dynasty, go. Chris Chris Carson, Rashad Penny. It's got to be
0: Rashad Penny, right? Chris Carson is in a body bag at this point. He's underproduced all season long. Rashad Penny has the draft capital. We've heard Pete Carroll say that he doesn't quit on players. It's been evident with the C.J. ProSize, you know, inclusion on the roster. I think that the days of Chris Carson as the de facto number one are behind him. Rashad Penny's going to get his opportunity. 2020 is the
1: Rashad Penny year, I believe. Chris Carson body bag would be an incredible show title. I have a super comfortable Lazy Boy in my in my basement that we don't use. You want another one for your basement you won't use? I gotta bring it. I should bring it up to my office. I could really use it. Those things are heavy. I would need someone to help me bring it up here. They'll live stream you and your wife carrying it up the stairs. Oh my god, no. Someone else. Huh? What you do is you invite a buddy over to like, Hey, you want to hang out? And then the next thing you know they're helping you move furniture. <laughs> so it always goes down. I found this when I was unpacking. Oh my god, Nate. Ashton Doolin's gonna happen, it's gonna be a thing. I can't believe it, I'm so excited about Ashton Doolin.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Ashton
0: Ashton Ashton That siren is the worst part about that.
1: (laughs) If you don't have Ashton Doolin in Dynasty, you're an idiot! Oh, my gosh. They're dueling over Ashton. I wrote a Wonderworld Dynasty League. The waivers ran on Wednesday, and I forgot to put bids in. And I knew Ashton was out there in a bunch of leagues. Now he's activated, and everyone's going to be bidding on him. Now I have to jack my bid up to get him.
0: I mean, come on.
1: So annoying. Um. Well, how much did you contribute to the show sheet this week? I've glanced. I'm hoping that you admit that time is ticking for Chris Carson.
0: Oh, I would love to admit that.
1: Yeah, I think his time is about to be up. This is the reality of it, man. He's yeah. been great. He hasn't been great. He's been okay. Not 19. Not
0: 19. In 18 though, when his money was made and everybody was everybody was all over him entering 2019. And here we are. When CJ Prosize made
1: the roster, that should have been a wake-up call. Really? <laughs> I mean, I thought it made sense to have Carson and Prosize and Penny. And that was a good talent configuration, all big backs different skill sets made sense.
0: It, it would seem like it does if, if you rode the roller coaster that is DJ sites then, dude, he, he has been like a cut candidate for what feels like two years. Like, the guy is never active on game day. I mean, what are his active games played? I'd have to go back and look at this. It is stupid. That guy's missed more football over the last couple years than just about anybody. It's incredible. I
1: mean he had a great
0: running back profile. I mean, he was a fun prospect. I know. Well talk about small sample size, converted position in college, barely any NFL production. I mean, come on. Are we are we chasing a ghost here? He was like Ty Montgomery with juice. Yeah, I mean I know. don't get me wrong. I love it. I he's very enticing. Yeah,
1: he was sure. super efficient but a lot of these Notre Dame running backs seem to be efficient with that offensive line, but to have a 26% dominator at Notre Dame, that's that's pretty good. With the big-time speed score at 220 pounds, I mean, jeepers creepers. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Jeepers, creepers. Got you those jeepers. Do you see this new CJ pro size headshot we have here? Let
0: me see what you got. No, I haven't. Oh, has he got the some braids? Mm-hmm. It's the one, yeah. Looking stylish. Still not 26.
1: There it is. Oh, there's the new DK. <laughs> oh. He looks so different in the NFL than he did at Mississippi. Oh, my. It's like his hair is being blown back as he's running a 4-3-3. You can just tell he's jacked. I can tell. Going up against Byron Murphy this week. You excited for... DK Metcalf against Byron Murphy. Call it a murder. It's going to be a murder. Do you get my plays of the week email that I send to subscribers? I do. I haven't seen it. DK Metcalf's in there. He's my GPP play of the week. Mm, I like it. DK in tournaments. I want GameStack, Arizona, Seattle. I want Ross. I want DK. I want Tyler. I want Kirk, David Johnson, Will Disley. Give me them all. All of them. GameStack. Don't give me Keyshawn Johnson. Why not? I mean, you don't need him. I mean, I don't believe in the super fringy wide receivers in tournaments. I don't think you need to do that because you can just pay down at running back slightly and you'll have plenty of room for guys like DK Metcalf and Will Fuller. You don't need to go all the way down, you know, to even Paris Campbell. You don't even need to make that leap. Can we talk about
0: Paris Campbell? It's going to be a good week. T.Y. Hilton doubtful for Sunday. Big things are happening. This
1: is a big breakout week. We have Paris Campbell, we have Zach Pascal. Can we talk about that that week three top snapshare? Deion Kane. Big week for Dion Kane. Presence of Deon Kane, the presence of Zach Pascal is why you don't play a Paris Campbell in tournaments. You don't need to take these big swings on fringe receivers in tournaments. It's unnecessary. You can take a Will Fuller getting a 95% snap share. You can take a DK Metcalf getting a 95% snap share. You don't need that extra thousand in tournaments. Yes, in cash games where you want the most rock-solid, stable running back core you can possibly get, sure, you may pay down at wide receiver, but you don't pay down for a thin play like Paris Campbell. You pay down for a guy like Paul Richardson who's going to be... Not just the de facto number one, but the featured number one in Washington against the worst secondary in the league with no Terry McLaurin. It's heartbreaking that we don't get Terry McLaurin against the Giants. It's a fucking crime. Midweek hamstring injury. Oh, my God. I mean, this show goes out Monday morning, so we don't know. We're just speculating. But I love that some of our takes will be cold by the time this show drops. Oh, they will be. Can we talk about Devontae Parker, number four in air
0: yards? How is this guy? This guy has had some bad breaks so far in 2019.
1: He's number four in the NFL in total target distance.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. He's this year's Kelvin Benjamin. It's bananas. Kelvin Benjamin was showing up in the Josh Hermsmeyer bilo model for the first few weeks, and eventually he had to manually – cross his name off the list this is the he who may not be named wide receiver on the by model don't play him under any circumstances he's bad at football
0: i mean he did run into baltimore new england and dallas to start the season we got
1: to give him the benefit of the doubt i do want to see beyond this we saw preston williams actually securing targets against those same defenses so why don't we just go all in on preston williams and forget this Devonte parker impossible dream I can't, I can't quit Parker. Wait, are you serious? I can't tell if you're being sarcastic. Good. You're not being facetious? You're serious about Devontae Parker being someone you might actually target for a late pick in Dynasty? You might actually go out and try to trade for Devontae Parker? You're being serious? How much would Devontae Parker cost you? Nothing. Nothing. He's droppable. He's terrible. Why would you allow him to to crowd out roster space from literally anyone else?
0: i'm sure if we rewind the tape to nelson aguilar philip dorsett matt kelly's got some hot takes about how they shouldn't have been on a roster either so with that being said Devonte parker has the pedigree it hasn't panned out in miami miami's awful
1: he's a dolphin you just named two wide receivers with two of the best quarterbacks in the league who has ever worked out in miami Who's the last, like, dominant Miami wide receiver? And we're going back to, like, Brandon Marshall? It's not gonna happen because if it doesn't happen this year, Devontae Parker's gonna be 27 next year. That's true. You've never seen a first rounder break out at age 27. That's never happened, and it won't happen. Can I just see Devontae Parker against a softer defense, for Christ's sakes? Maybe be better. Maybe secure passes against a difficult secondary maybe accept the shadow assignment from the number one corner and rise above it. Maybe that, how about that? It
0: hasn't happened, that's what I'm saying.
1: So then it's over.
0: What, it's not over, we're three games into 2019. Give the man a shot. This is a a new quarterback, a whole new team. I mean, for God's sakes, the guy's been on and off of all these janky ass rosters. He's on another bad roster, we've gotten blown out all year. What's the, I
1: don't even know what the difference is at 16 to what? We have him at number five in the NFL in total target distance. He's number three in average target distance. We have air yards, but they're completed air yards. He's number 41 in completed air yards. An air yard is a yard. It's a yard they actually get. Target distance and target depth represent the distance the ball travels to every target. Very interesting, Mr. Kelly. All right. It's not that interesting. It's the same. Your point would be exactly the same. Whether he's top four or top five in total target distance, it's all the same very interesting he's also top 20 in drop rate and top 10 in total drops and he's outside the top 90 in target separation he's also outside the top 80 in cushion so no one respects him because he can't get open do you actually believe this you can crowd him at the line of scrimmage because there's no way he's going to get open and even if he does get open he'll probably drop it and if he's open
0: it's probably not going to be in his direction
1: because it's going to be an arid throw you know who's last in the league in yards after the catch per target Oh, Devontae Parker. Usually that spot is reserved for Mike Evans. Mike Evans has a a perpetual reservation in that slot, last in the league in yards after the catch per target. But so far this year, he has yet to achieve that. It is Devontae Parker. Six total yards after the catch this season. He is ranked 117 in yards after the catch. He is ranked number five in total target distance. That is the most absurd statistical dichotomy I have ever seen in the history of playerprofiler.com. Well, he only has six
0: catches, so we shouldn't be surprised by the yards after the catch. There's not a lot of catches. It's hard to create a lot of yards on six catches. But with that being said, can we also not ignore the fact that the Dolphins are, what, 28th in run blocking and 31st in pass protection or some combination? They're
1: awful. And Josh Rosen's the quarterback? For God's sakes, come on. Give the man a little shot. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are you saying? What are you saying? It's it's hard to get yards after the catch with only six catches? Yeah. Why not just get more than six? How about getting more than one yard after the catch per reception? How about that?
0: Here's a question. Valdez Scantling. How many catches and how many yards after the catch? Just out of curiosity.
1: You know we have a public website that anyone can type in the name Marquez Valdez Scantling. In fact, all you need to do is type in M A R Q. And we will sort the results based on the most frequently selected player, making it very easy for you to go ahead and look up Marquez Valdez Scantling's statistics on your own. How's he doing? His total target distance is 162. It's actually outside the top 60. His average target distance is outside the top 85. And his yards after the catch is 11. His yards after the catch per target is just slightly more the Devontae Parker Devontae Parker's 0.3 Marquez Valdez Scantling is 0.5 so Marquez Valdez Scantling is essentially Devontae Parker with a quarterback
0: yeah yeah exactly I mean come on and we like we like Scantling I don't like Scantling I'm not caping up for Scantling
1: have I ever painted my chest with an
0: MVS logo I'm pretty sure that you've 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 gone out there for Scantling in the past
1: you're pretty sure I'm pretty sure, I can't dig it, I don't have it in front of me, I can't play it back. We've done how many shows together? A lot. When was the last time that I caped up for Marquez Valdez-Scantling as a top talent in the league?
0: Here's the thing, the listeners are going to have to remind us, they know better than I do, I don't know. All I'm
1: saying is... Here's what I said at the end of draft season, was in seasonal leagues, based on their roles and usage and production in preseason, that Geronimo Allison looked like the better value in seasonal leagues. As Marquez Valdez-Scantling's ADP was rising up into the sixth round in expert and high-stakes leagues, and then Geronimo Allison's available another six rounds later, I was content with Geronimo Allison, not Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I didn't like him at that ADP. I think he's a fun player. I just didn't like Marquez Valdez-Scantling at his ADP. Yards after the
0: catch is a is an interesting stat to to draw to it's
1: an indicator of quality and talent you like will fuller he doesn't play the part of the versatile alpha in that passing game because that's not his role and if he were asked to do more i think that he would flail he would be out of his depth but he is operating in the perfect offense for his skill set they don't ask him to do any more than what he's best at and that's converting deep targets such
0: a total bullshit answer it's like hey will fuller catch the ball and lay down that's ridiculous
1: but the question is what do i think of will fuller if we were drafting teams if we were starting a franchise he wouldn't be on my team he wouldn't be a guy that i'm out here drafting with my job as a general manager on the line he's not one of those wide receivers that i would be building around even at value because i would want the all-purpose swiss army wide receivers they give you the target distance the contested catch conversion the yards after the catch i want wide receivers that look like juju smith schuster those are my preferred archetype at wide receiver i want chris godwin's not mike evans's i don't want those outside wide receivers that bully opposing cornerbacks maybe catch the ball maybe not either way they fall down that's not my preferred wide receiver profile. I like a Chris Godwin. 6'1", 210 pounds, quick and short areas, strong at the catch point, and gobbles up yak. That's who I want to build my team around. That's why I didn't think the, the San Francisco 49ers reached for Debo Samuel. That's why I liked the Debo Samuel pick. That's why I liked the Paris Campbell pick in the second round. And that's why I didn't hate DK Metcalf slipping to the end of the second round with a Debo and with a Paris Campbell on the board, I understood it. We want our wide receivers to look like A.J. Brown, don't we? Of course. How did we get here from Devontae Parker? Because he looks nothing like A.J. Brown, Nikhil Harry, Paris Campbell, Debo Samuel. Not in Miami, I will agree. Not yet. And you didn't fit that profile at Louisville. We know what Devontae Parker is. How many yards after the catch did he have at Louisville? Less than you might think.
0: How can. You, oh, oh, wow, I don't know what you actually. You don't know the answer! That is the great rhetorical trick answer of the podfather. You have no answer. All right, we should do this podcast because I'm literally going to have to walk away from this mic. Less than you might think. I will have to step away from this mic. Okay. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Nate Liss.
1: You can find me on Twitter at Jew. Your Twitter handle reads, Russell Wilson deserves better. And now Russell Wilson is getting what he deserves. Better!
0: Thank you. God,
1: Ashton duelin, baby, we're dueling over Ashton. Woo! It's exciting, man. It's time. <sighs> Ooh.
0: You know what I mean? You whip it around and it's got like a like a sprocket or a ratchet in it.
1: What the fuck are you talking about? It's a sound maker. We know you as the number one Ashton Doolin doubter. How dare you roster him? Is it a Mexican standoff? I didn't know if your mic was broken. The funny thing is uh, there were three articles about Antonio Brown before the one I was looking for on Devon Bess. Are computers
0: just writing these articles now? Is it not even humans? What's next? You got a fly swatter.
1: Get him out of here! Let him colonize Mars. Let's get him out of here. I think Kathy Ireland would do a better job as the general manager of the Dolphins than Jeff Ireland. Oh, the draft capital! Oh, God, that's what got me! Yeah, speaking of Kathy Ireland, so she's like Conor McGregor, speaking of Ireland. Are you talking about uh, McConnor? The old high ankle sprain, or as I like to call it, the High Ankle Fucked. Next question! They signed a possession receiver from the Browns and went crazy in an airport. Do you remember who that was?
0: Do we think Kathy would have actually done that?
1: Eleven targets. (laughs) Eleven targets. It might be a few too many. That's a crime against sports.
0: Paging Dr. Kelly, uh, Dr. Kelly to the uh, operating room.
1: Dr. Kelly's in surgery right now, but uh, as soon as he uh, sutures up this patient, he'll be right up. I just picked up John Hillman in yet another Dynasty League. Because fuck Nate Liss. And uh, by the way, I googled a picture of Kathy Ireland.
0: Very, very pretty. That's my contribution to the show. I've got to go.
1: Very, 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 very pretty. There's something to be said for simply not standing in your player's way. Does Cliff Kingsbury have some special dust that he sprinkles on the shoulder pads of his players to make them play good? No. Well, they've got Miami in there, right? No. You can't play fantasy football scared. Put a ring on that finger, LaFleur. Somebody put a ring on Jamal Williams. How about doing exactly nothing after getting drafted in the
0: top five? You cannot call Kalen Bellage a trash can when you've talked about
1: John Hillman on this episode. Recency bias much. D.D. Westbrook, fraud. You got to set the hook, man. You got to be patient, set the hook, and you reel them in after lineups lock. It's the same way you get Kathy Ireland. Dalvin Cook is doing what Dalvin Cook does. That's, that's it. Let's put it in the baby book. And you have to throw the ball. Oh, for fuck's sake. He compared himself to SpongeBob and said he felt like a mermaid out there. I'm off Aaron Jones, I'm on Jamal Williams because of the mermaid talk. I mean, honestly, your objectification of women is, is a bit bothersome.
0: Oh, sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really burned me there. She literally has her own calendar.
1: She the stretch on ESPN in the morning, I think. It's like 6 a.m. on a beach. The horn dog teenager in me misses some of those basic cable shows that I used to find erotic. (laughs) I don't give me an example. Give me one. Pretty much any exercise related infomercial. Yeah. Yeah. Any new at home fitness product.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Suzanne Summers selling the shit out of those things. Die
1: master. A young pod father was a fan. Let's just say that. (laughs) I'm glad you've grown up. He's a guy. He's a guy. He is the quintessential guy. Oh, I'm glad you've grown up. You're dreaming. Except you're not dreaming. Please, Patrick Mahomes, get the hell out of here. Oh, I'm glad you've grown up. But John Hillman didn't go to Clemson. That was Wayne Gallman. So we want Wayne Gallman in there. I'm off Aaron Jones. I'm on Jamal Williams because of the mermaid talk.
0: Thank God.